And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted host and all things small business advocate. My regular listeners will know I'm very passionate about small biz matters and small biz, in fact. It's uh, it's an important topic. It's an important topic here for people in Hornsby, Karingai, especially because we have, quite surprisingly, a very high proportion of businesses registered per resident. Those of you may not know, but back in 2010, the Hornsby Council did a spotlight report. Now, that is a few years old now, but I imagine the growth rate has been pretty significant. Back then, it was one business was registered in Hornsby for every 78 residents, which is pretty phenomenal and uh, means that we need to be taken a little bit more seriously as a small business community here. So let's hear it from the council. I'm hoping that in the coming months, we're going to have a take it to the pollies month where we have a listen to what they have to say when it comes to small business. We're going to be covering a few things today about the politics of small business, uh, having a look at what's happening with news and business in the world, because these sort of things do impact on us. They impact on our, uh, our businesses themselves and therefore on our cash flow. And of course, as all things small business, they do trickle down and answer to the family as well. Plus later on in the show, I'm going to be having a little bit of a think and uh, taking you to some, to some statistics when it comes to trying to get out of bed. Now it is school holidays. Those of you who are doing the school juggle can have a bit of an alleviation these coming couple of weeks, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to get out of bed and get to work. So How do you maintain that motivation when you don't have the regular routine that we do when we have, when the kids are in school? It's a, it's a tricky topic and it's, it's uh, does require a little bit of examples and some strategies. We're all about strategies here on the show, but before we get into all of that, I thought I'd take a look at what's happening on SMH at the moment when it comes to small biz, a great um, opportunity for some resources and something that a few people have been mentioning to me lately, which is, um, which is being unwell wrapped up with the whole getting out of bed thing and and being fit and healthy and trying to be motivated is is what happens when we're sick now small business different scenario altogether we are in a position where we're expected to just keep on trudging on if I see another codril cold commercial that tells me that I just need to soldier on I'm going to throw something at the telly because it's really important that you do rest and we're pretty good at putting ourselves last when it comes to our business and ourselves. And uh, we put our family first, we put the success of our business first, and we put ourselves last. And like we were talking about last week when it comes to small business and you being wrapped up in that entity, and essentially sometimes for most of us, if you don't exist, the business doesn't exist, we need to stop and think about what happens when we do get unwell. So some of us are in a shared work environment. You might be lucky enough to be able to share some space with someone else. And that's going to be pretty close proximity. You might only have four or five people in a co-working environment, or you might be sharing with another family member. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, you're sharing that space, you're sharing that air. If you're unwell, you need to, as I say to my kids, listen to your body, take care of number one, which I hate to bother you, is you, and actually go home and rest. So... (laughs) I think a lot of us who are old enough would know that if you rest on the first day of being unwell, and I do mean get in a doona, get in your jammies and your Ugg boots and sit in front of the television and literally do nothing and turn your phone off. We talked about this last week. The world is not going to end if you go into shutdown with your phone and your computer. It's just one day. Um, Of course, cancel any meetings that might have come up on that day. Of course, you can't just not turn up. But 
you need to rest on that very first day. And doctors are telling us all the time about resting in that initial phase will actually alleviate any sort of increase in the bugs, I suppose, and actually help your body fight against what's going on. And you've probably got a better chance of getting over it. Plus the fact that if you are unwell, you're not going to be performing at your regular abilities. You're probably going to make mistakes and you're going to make those people around you unwell as well. So it's like when we get on an aeroplane and you see somebody get on when you're sick and you're like, oh, that's great. I'm just going to get sick. So why is it that we we don't accept that in public transport? We sort of look down our noses at people like that, but we're willing to go into a working environment and and push ourselves and, and extend ourselves to the point where we become worse and, and we actually make those people around us very unwell. The, the world's gonna, not going to go over. It, it's, I'm sorry, the world is not going to end because you don't necessarily have your phone uh, switched on. So more than 300,000 people die each year around the world as a result of contaminants they were exposed to at work. And two-thirds of genuine sickies can be traced back to work-related infections. So if you are the beginning of being unwell, that's the time when you are the most contagious. We know that. We know that a lot of times when, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the measles or the mumps or no, it was at the flu. You're more contagious at the beginning when you haven't actually shown any symptoms than when you actually break out in hives or whatever it is that your body's going to do when it reacts to those things. And research conducted by the Griffiths University um, used a quantitative data as a springboard for studying some of the perceptions managers have about these contagious illnesses. Quite a few themes arose. Most of them were prominent, were, were, was relating to the financial impact, of course. So it, it is a work culture discussion that if you work for a small company, you need to have that discussion. Is it better? Am I better off to take one day off where I've got more of a chance of recovering and then I can return in a couple of days? Or should I just come to work, make everyone around me unwell and then take myself down for a whole week? It's one of those things where those of you who have had a bad back, you know, when you, you do your back and just before the back really goes, just before your body goes, go away, we're not moving now. Like you've really stuffed this up. I'm just going to protest and you're not moving. Just before that, a few days before, you get those little warning twinges. You know, the ones where you just bend down sideways and your back goes, uh-uh, we're not doing that. No. No, don't do that. And it just gives you little warning twinges. Why is it that we can listen to ourselves in a musculoskeletal way? Well, some of us don't. But we don't look at those, oh, I've got a bit of a sore throat. Oh, it hurts to swallow. Ugh. I've got a bit of a tingling in my nose. I know what I'll do. I'll stay up really late and work really hard and then I'll go to work and I'll infect everyone around me and I'll take down other businesses too. So small businesses often get stuck with expensive overtime costs. And this is where it's all wrapped into the HR situation for your business. And if one person is unwell, that's fine. They can take sick leave, but everybody else needs to pick up the slack and might need to work longer hours. And then you're stuck with overtime. So it's actually a double whammy when it comes to somebody being unwell. You're not just paying for their sickness, but you're paying for other people in a double capacity to pick up the slack. So as a result, small businesses have the bottom line as their driver. The managers are looking at, well, this is just going to cost me really a, a large amount. So they might say to their staff, look, you know, you need to be almost dead before you don't come to work, which which is really, really silly. Or they might do something completely uncompliant and not pay the other workers their overtime that they're entitled to simply because in their mind they're thinking, well, I'm just trying to make up for the fact that somebody else was unwell. So it's more difficult for smaller businesses to 
evenly spread the load than it is for larger organisations. And as small businesses and potential employers, you need to factor in that and unwor- and, this, and the sickness of, of your staff as, as, a, as a component of the HR employing decision. And that's not to say that you should go and say, well, I'll just take everybody on as a contractor because we all know that that's sham contracting and you will be discovered and it's completely illegal. So it's just an added cost that I want everyone to think of in an HR capacity. It's not just about going, well, everyone's covered by sick leave. That might be the case. But what about the contractor you've got to bring on to to maintain that client relationship and keep those work hours up? That person's going to cost you money too. So the problem is as well, uh, they've done these statistics and they've realised that very rarely in a situation of small business is an employee actually sent home. So more often than not, we have this expectation that we make our own decisions. It's up to the employee to turn around and go, you know what, this isn't working and I'm really unwell. I'm going to go home. We as, as, as managers, as people managers, as people responsible for those underneath us, should take one look at that person, spin them around and send them home for a number of reasons. One, they're just going to make everybody else sick. They're going to make you sick. They're going to impact on the business much more than if they take a day off. Uh, but also it's about a duty of care. Um, and and also you can be seen as as uh, a, a being a sort of just bad boss really for want of a better word. It, as long as you tell people go home, then again you've got that good relationship with your staff. Other staff see you behave that way. Um, hopefully they won't take advantage of it either. But uh, it, everyone is intelligent enough and and uh, perceptive enough to be able to work out if someone is actually unwell. Some of those who are spreading the work bug do so out of loyalty for their employer. So they were looking at these statistics and they looked at these hundreds of thousands of people who, uh, who could be traced back to, to picking up something at work. Um, although I do wonder with this, uh, this research whether or not they were identifying the travel to and from work or just specifically in the office. But let's face it, I'm looking at a window right now at Triple H. It doesn't open. There is no fresh air in this room. There is just recycled air from the air conditioner. And, you know, none of us have got air conditioners with biofilters in it that are going to knock out the influenza bug. And coming into that season, we need to be thinking about this. If you have a good employee, that good employee needs to be able to look up to you and say... (laughs) I need you to tell me to go home because I'm going to be loyal. They're going to feel bad about adding um, to their colleagues' workload and they worry about their absence is going to harm the company. Um, and, 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 you know, they worry that, that they're going to feel guilty um, because they're in a small business that if they were in the same situation in a huge, large company, they would be like, I'm, I'm not going to work. Somebody else will pick up the slack. It's fine. Nobody will even notice because I'm one of a billion people. Whereas in a small business, there is that connection that you have with your staff. So give a little bit of that back. Take one look at them and going, uh, what are you doing here? Go home. Plus, if anybody's got a dog at home, the dog's going to be really happy because it's got company for the day. <laughs> so there's lots of things to think about there. We're coming into the influenza season. Um, I've spoken to a couple of small business owners. I'm, I'm just curious whether or not they are going to get the flu jab. Some of them say, oh, look, it doesn't work. I get sick anyway. Other people say, I never get sick. I don't get the flu, so I'll be fine. And uh, it, it's an interesting discussion. And, and I know that there's a lot of small businesses out there who actually offer that for free to their staff. But let's not forget that flu is only one thing that can make people unwell. We can't just presume because you've given your staff the flu jab that they're going to be fine and, and going to be coming to work and, and, not, and not, you know, operating at full standard. But there is a lot to be considered. And we are coming into 
being unwell season and you've got to make sure that you look after your staff. It's all it's all part of good management techniques. And um, just talking about uh, what we were mentioning at the beginning of the show and the politics of small business, I did hear the lovely John Barillaro speaking to Wendy Harmer on 702 uh, a few days ago. And yet again, the concept of a two-week invoicing permanent and uh, and compulsory invoicing time period of two weeks was bandied about. And the sad thing about this situation is it's never more than a brief discussion and a topic that is brought up every so often. It's never actually discussed at length. I don't believe it's ever hit parliament and been debated and analysed and researched. But all you need to do is take a look at some of the other countries that have implemented a two-week invoicing structure across the board. Places like France, there was a definite acceleration in their company, in their profitability of their small business sector and therefore in their economy. It's a no-brainer. And I don't quite understand why it's even not it's not a debate i can't imagine any of the major parties we'd be against such a concept um the only thing that it would be affecting is the larger multinational bigger businesses but they won't be shying away if everybody has the same level playing field which is a two-week turnaround the average time period for bills to be paid according to the zero.com website is 58 days so that's a two-month turnaround from the invoice date to payment date And I know some of that will be the three or four days it takes for the banks to clear the funds from one bank to another at the end of that process. But 58 days is absolutely ludicrous. The the best that John Barillaro could do at a state level, as he expectedly said, that this is a federal uh, government issue. So I would love to get Julie and Lisa on the show to discuss exactly this, because this is something that will improve the lives of all small businesses, guaranteed. There's no question that this will accelerate the economy and there's no question that it would improve cash flow and productivity for businesses and they're not going to be left in the lurch when it comes to them paying their supplies. It's a trickle-down effect. It's a no-brainer. So I don't quite understand why, A, it becomes a federal government issue. Uh, uh, again, it's the politics of the situation, I suppose. I don't understand why it can't be a state-based. I suppose it can't be state-based because you can't have some states on a two-week turnaround and others on a 60-day turnaround. But the best John Barillaro could provide small business in New South Wales was by saying, if you deal with the government at any level, then you will be paid in a month. So that's still 30 days. So once again, I question why it is that if a a purchase order has been issued, that the funds have been cleared, why it's still 30 days to pay the little guys who mow the lawn outside the state government offices. I don't quite understand it. It's a no-brainer for me to turn it into a two-week turnaround. It has successfully worked in European countries and other countries around the world, whereas it accelerated their economy. And I'd like to put it out there that perhaps we should be asking our politicians to change it. Um, I can't imagine any groups questioning and saying that this would benefit them to have a a 60-day turnaround. So that's my two cents today. Just a little bit of a thought for you guys and maybe something you might want to ask your local state and federal MP um, if you get the opportunity to hit them up. There's a really good small business no-brainer 
a legislative decision that um, will affect, uh, will improve everybody's uh, cash flow and productivity from a small business perspective and from a from a multinational perspective as well. Um, so that's just my two cents worth. So uh, thanks for joining me on the show today, guys. It's been a, a great program. I look forward to speaking with all of you again next week with a fantastic show on Small Biz Matters. Remember, you can catch up on our Facebook page as well. Find out tips and tricks and strategies that are happening um, throughout the week. Keep on top of any small business news. And of course, if you are an expert in your field and you would love to share some of your expertise with our listeners, then get in touch via the smallbizmatters.com.au website. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters and Triple H. My name is Alexi Boyd. I'll see you all next week.